Hello, and welcome to another edition of Storytelling on Orchard Street. I'm your host, Pete Salamita, and with me today is Jennifer Blowdryer. Jennifer is a poet, a writer, and a musician. Formerly known as Megan Baron Gould Waters, she got her name from her San Francisco punk band, The Blowdryers. As an author, she has written a novel, a memoir, a dictionary, and an advice book. As a journalist, she wrote for the column a uh, column from Maximum Rock and Roll, New York Press, and Downtown. She's still very active in the artist and cultural scene of New York City. Uh, welcome to the studio, Jennifer. Thank you. It's nice to be here on Orchard Street. It's I, a good place to be. I just <laughs> noticed uh, Barricade's back, this Turkish place, oh. that they've been uh, close for years and years. Wow. And I love them. Great. I'm happy. Oh, that's, nice. that's good to know. And you, you're a neighborhood gal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, originally you were from Rhode Island, right? Yeah, correct. Yes. Grew up there? Uh... Um, yeah, I'm a faculty brat, so I guess I primarily grew up there, but we would spend time in North Carolina huh. a year where I went to uh, public school in Paris. Wow. And, um, that must have been fun. No, I got a really good. Uh, they how were they were light on me. They were you know it's they were tough on the French kids. How, how old were you? I was maybe eight. So yeah, I'm guessing you didn't know too too much French by that point. No, they taught it to me. <laughs> oh. and this woman would grab my jaws huh. and force me to pronounce right huh. correctly. That must have been kind of creepy. <clears throat> I don't know, you just, you know, when you're a kid and you don't really know what's going on, you right. just go from just, right, you one go thing flow, to, right, right. Uh -huh. but I got a great accent, but in the process, I have a lisp in the English language. Wow, okay. <laughs> and then from there? <clears throat> then, um, when I was 14 or 15, um, our household was, you know, violent. My father was. Oh, sorry. He's a bit another bad guy. Right. So we got on a train and we went to San Francisco because my mother, she really liked Berkeley mm -hmm. and the politics and the culture. Right. And my um, uncle Arnold had an apartment in San Francisco, and uh -huh. so, you know, we moved there. And that's um, why I was, was, was going to ask you how you wound up in San Francisco. <laughs> that's yeah. Be my next question. <laughs> So, and you went to school there, college, I mean. I went to, yeah, and my California, as a resident, the California college system was pretty benign. Mm -hmm. And I went to SF State for um, three years. I got a little, like, Pell Grant or whatever it was. And um, then I transferred to UC Berkeley, which wasn't as hard to get into, but I had a couple great writing teachers. Mm -hmm. and they, I was going to ask you, it was... Um, Journalism or writing no, in general? No, it was, at the time you could still major in quote-unquote English. Okay, right. So, I guess I was an English major. Right. And, um... Did you write a lot as a teen? I did. I started being published, um... When I was a teenager, I was hanging out with, um this ginger coyote from punk globe and oh. we had started a band together right. later white trash debutantes okay i like that name and we kind of lived in our own mean world what did you what and when you in the band what did you play in the blue drawers well, well, oh, yeah. what i did is i came in with a um because i'm a groover uh -huh. you know so i came in i had put together a cassette tape of songs that we could cover as a party right. party band and like what kind of songs oh god monkey see monkey do by sam the sham and the pharaohs wow. okay. i love that band <laughs> oh god don't yeah. even get me started yeah. i love that dude i remember i remember that wooly bully was such a big radio hit <laughs> i have, i still have two albums right and um interesting guy i believe he's still alive but he, Is he? withdrew from oh, you know, I'd, be, I'd like to find that out I know, yeah. me too. Right. And what else? That's a good start. What else? Uh, let's see. Convoy. Remember there was a 
hack writer called C.W. McCall, yeah. uh -huh. and he put out had yeah. different personas. Wow, that's an odd choice. <laughs> but it's so it's still right. so catchy. Right, right. We got a little cardboard. Wow. You know, so just stuff that was. And I know uh, you probably don't, but do you have a cassette of that band? <laughs> um, it would be a blast to hear that. I have one cassette of a live show of the White Trash Debutantes, yeah. but I came to New York. Um, I got a fellowship to a writing program here, and um, that cassette tape wasn't good quality enough for right. me to sure. book mm -hmm. the band or right. anything. And I don't listen to it. I have a lot of my, my own stuff I don't listen to. Because right. I know I'd just be like, ah, that's so bad quality. Right, right. But I do have a cassette tape. I, I'm pretty hard on myself. Um, I, was, yeah. I was a drummer for many, Yay. many, 40 plus years. Uh -huh. <laughs> you still I, have a kit? I still have a kit and a house full of percussion stuff. And uh, I think about getting back to it at some point. But it's been a while. I was in a band uh, maybe eight years ago was the last one. Now I'm doing this. Poetry. And, okay. Yeah, and I'm doing poetry with mu uh, music too sometimes. Where's your gear at? No, 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 it's in my house, Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay, that's very good to know. So, so let's get to um, there's so many places we can go, but um, your name comes from the band, uh, the Blow Dryers, right? Yeah, I had. Um, Tell me about that band. Well, me and this. Um, couple girls I was hanging out with we decided that we wanted to start an all-girl punk band cool. which meant and what year was this I'm guessing 77 oh, okay so right. it entailed putting up a, a flyer in a record shop right but the fact was that um, Mary carried around a bass but I don't think she could play but she was a Inter really interesting girl. But she owned one, so that's a good start. She sent, she'd gotten a hold of one, and I had a um, keyboard, a Fender Road 73. Okay. And I went to uh, my piano teacher, you know, and I said, this is the step I like. You know, right, how can right. I play it? And I played him like Devo, the Ramones. Right. And he was like, he's like, ah, oh, that's easy. <laughs> right, right. You know, C, F, G, that's all oh, I'm doing. Well, it's good that he, he at least helped you with it because oh, yeah, he, he didn't turn his nose up at No, I'm really used to, um, I, I've had been spoiled by being around musicians and they usually can just hear something and they know the note right. and they could figure it out. So right. you're just a young guy with like a, what do they call that, a job. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so, making a book. Yeah. So we put up a sign, and then um, we got one response. Um, and this is San, in San Francisco. This would yeah. have been in like Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco. Right. And uh, the girls lived in a group home in San Jose, you know. But we just we all hung out right. as much as possible because we could go to the Mabuhay Gardens and the Stud. It's a gay bar that just played the best music. Right. So the responses were um, Susie, who became Susie Blowdryer, who's a guitarist, and um, Bruce, who was the Dead Kennedy's first drummer. Okay. He's a really nice guy, but I, I think he ascertained that right. we were not that musical, <laughs> musically talented. And uh, you know, you mentioned the the Dead Kennedys. Uh -huh. Uh, remember that Frankenchrist album? No, is that was that with the Geiger cover though? Yeah, no, it was a poster inside, and um, so I was working for a record distributor, uh -huh. Green World, and we got we got them in. I was like, holy shit, look at this! And um, I bought a couple extra copies and left them unsealed, mm -hmm. and then uh, I opened one one to play, and um, yeah. It, they they wound up the next press and they couldn't use they didn't put the poster in the because all the chains thing. wouldn't yeah it yeah. was a it was a uh, painting of uh, just dicks <laughs> it's a thick poster uh, okay. right that's why uh -huh. and you know this was um, you know middle America didn't take kindly to that <laughs> so yeah I mostly just so I, I think it might be worth a lot of money because I have the unsealed unsealed albums with that poster in it it's possible and I did just go through. Like a stack of zines and books. I, once a month, uh, Michael Board from Maximum Rock and Roll and Jim Testa from Jersey Beat, mm -hmm. we meet at the Algonquin. Okay. You know, and sometimes like we give out material, right. but I thought, like, let me see if this shit has any value. Right. And some of it does. Right. 
would I be too inept and lazy to really vend things online? Possibly. I am thinking yeah. about. I have it. a house full of stuff I could do online. I could. It could be a little cottage industry. My retirement fund. You know? Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about with you. Uh -huh. um, it's like I could go back and forth on this. Oh, yeah. But so you had the band thing going on, and uh, you were. Um, you were still in college, right? Uh, taking writing, or you, were you at a college at this point? Or? I wasn't really. You know, college was um, mainly to get the as a state to get the student loans, and then you get health care with that. Oh, okay. And you know, I had a, I had my own life. They really don't even have a campus. Oh, a couple oh, of vending okay. machines, right, and right. A, you know, but it was. Um, so I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, I was at SF State, you know, the same time, like I'm thinking 78, because right. I remember there was this kind of villainous guy that I was going out with his bass player, and the villainous guy, um, R.I.P., he'd push his uh, girlfriend through a plate glass window, oh, wow, or, he was just like that right. personification of wow. the devil. Right. But they had great music taste. Uh, right. But she was supposed to be enrolled at San Francisco State University as well. Right. And I remember like kind of chiding her, like, Eva, you should go to your classes. You know, you could you're you know, Eva Destruction was her handle. Oh. And she'd okay. be like, No, I love Floyd. So I <laughs> kinda Right, right. They had their own fetish thing going on. So you had the music, the writing. Uh -huh. um, um, how far, or like, far, how far did the blow jars go, or how did it wind up? Like, you wound up in New York City, right? That's how. Uh, when you were writing for Free Press, you were in New York City. Um, I mean, the blow jars was a band. Uh -huh. uh, Susie filled out a pipe drain, I think, and uh, she was injured, and wow. that, that was kind of. That was the end of it. Yeah, the uh, end of it. I kept doing music with various people, but when I um, moved to New York, Timmy O'Hannon from Maximum Rock and Roll, he uh, he thought it was funny. And my first book was just coming out, Modern English, okay. a trendy slang right. dictionary that Last Gasp mm -hmm. put out. And um, so he just got... And what was that book like? It's a pretty good book. It's, yeah. it's like a hundred bucks at least to get it. Wow. Online, and, so it's still and, available. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for a lot of money, right. but that's another right. publishing's a whole other right, right. story. But um, so he asked me if I wanted to do a column for Maxim Rock and Roll, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And yeah, I was living in an eight by ten room at International House. And what was the column on? I have them. Um, I would just write about like whatever struck me at the time, right. low-level promotion or what became a lifelong alliance with um, sex workers, mm -hmm. activism. Right, so it wasn't just music. What but... was a sociopath. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool and he, uh, he was pretty open about what he accepted and it would be distributed all over the continent practically. Right, right. Yeah. You know, a lot of weird kids mm -hmm. read it. Right, yeah, it's pretty really cool. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. a good project. And yeah. then New York Press, I started uh Did they hire you based on being at Maximum Rock and Roll? No, they didn't even know about it. they didn't oh. they didn't know me at all and okay. and still don't, although I try to change that. But um I went oh I had started uh I, Annie Sprinkle and Veronica Vera uh -huh. and this tattoo artist Spiderwhip were kind of helping me out. He died like last year. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a poem about him. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they, I called it the High Hill School of Journalism because mm -hmm. they'd, they'd hire me like to do model releases or a photo assistant. I think it was just a way for Annie to kick me right. some money okay. and the visual probably. But she schooled me. I had to... Uh, make a couple grand to get out of um to get a, my certificate from the columbia graduate writing program so she schooled me on how to write for those adult magazines and she said always have you know 
you always come in with like five proposals, right? You know, and then if there's one they tell you to go with, you can go with that. And then once they do, you ask for North American rights for they only have North American rights up to a point of a year and all this stuff. So by the time um, I decided to write for New York Press, you know, I was just, I just balls out came in and I was like, I got these, I have these five ideas, mm -hmm. hello. Right. And uh, then they changed editors and they had this Alex Zajic and he was my editor and he had me writing on Neighborhoods Late at Night. So, uh, tell, tell the listeners that uh, might not know it because we didn't really do that with mm -hmm. Maximum Rock and Roll. Maybe describe to the listeners those two publications. Cause, I'm uh, not the best person to describe right. things. I don't want to waste your time. Okay. Well, New York Free Press in my mind was... It was New York Press. Oh, New York Press. Oh, oh. I was thinking... Press. Okay. And I, when I got it, confused. When it came out, um, it was this guy from Baltimore, Russ Smith, and uh, there was a point when the weeklies were kind of challenging each other. Mm -hmm. So the Village Voice was two dollars, so right. our press was free. Right. Then Downtown Magazine, which I also wrote for, they didn't want me to write for New York Press and vice versa. Oh, okay. So New York Press would was in a lot of newspaper boxes around the city. Originally, the voice was free. They, they started charging. Yeah, then they had to go free again. Yeah, and right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was such a great institution for yeah, so long. Right. Went uh, How about um, we play, you have some music you want to play? We'll All right. I have some, um, let me sign in. I use this uh, literary journalist, John Ronson. Have you heard of him? I, no, I He's my sign-in thing for this device. Oh, okay. oh, you love him. He's got books galore. Um, okay, so I had a, my friend Thatcher helped me put some songs on SoundCloud. This is a song. Um, doo -doo. When's, when's this from? I, she's got the weirdness. It's like two years ago, okay. three years ago, right. uh -huh. and then I have recordings that are more recent, but uh -huh. I haven't. And what's the, the line, you know, lineup of uh, music musicians on that? It changes, right. so let me find the song and then I'll tell you who's Got on it. Got it. All right. That sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> let me find it. Uh, bed Bugs, ha ha, so I can, that's a punker. It's Not Safe is a really pretty song. I'll do that first. And okay. that was this um, woman who'd been an exotic dancer for a long time and she was kind of sort of crashing at my boyfriend's place but she was um she was from Georgia she was a good talker you know and so one day I was going up to a bodega right around here and I was reaching to get some uh, coconut milk uh -huh. and she said don't do that you know I'm you know I'm not being an alarmist it'll kill you so I put together like her stories. Drinking, drinking the coconut, coconut water is killing you. Oh, coconut, oh. And then a couple of my stories from traveling because I, I, I had traveled not not as a sex worker, but you know, I've been in uh, Osaka. So here it is. And on keyboards is this guy Steve Waite, mm -hmm. who uh, when he was young he was Jennifer Flowers. Oh. Piano bar accompanist. Okay. She's the one who had a little affair with Bill Clinton. And he's a Mexico City wow. making music now. <laughs> uh -huh. So he's on piano. It's a beautiful Yamaha electric from um, 30 Below Road Music. And then um, Kevin Tooley, my producer, is he hits one drum once. Okay. And then my uh, accompanist, I work for a lot, Steve Wishnia from the False Prophets. He just put in some lap steel, like, nice. wham, wham, yeah. you know, yeah. so here it goes, it's, it's real, really pretty. Okay. Now it doesn't want to play. Sorry for no, technical difficulties. Yeah, it's, it's asking, <laughs> oh, it's trying to push something. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Just I raise the volume. Okay. 
I'm a snob on the topic, and uh, I'm usually around so many people giving their opinions and their bona fides that I I don't get to say it, but I really believe strongly that lyrics, poetry, uh, free-form prose, uh, literary journalism, that they're all different genres, because lyrics, you know, and someone will always disagree with me at this point, and then I'll just order another beer. Right. But I think it's still planned. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Because uh-huh. uh, lyrics, even by the greats, uh-huh. they don't read well. They're not meant to be read. It's it's just, it's really fully connected to the music. And right. poetry, I think, uh, as with lyrics, like each word has to be very precise. Right. Like you don't go for the lazy cliche or I am. Right. Not really a poet, but I write freeform prose. Oh, okay. But I would never uh, read, um, I don't know, fiction or prose. There's a bad thing that a uh, habit where they think they could just, the musicians are like shrubbery, like just throw them in the back and mm-hmm. barrel through your piece. Right. And I have a lot of respect for musicians. Right. I keep that really separate. Right. Oh, the, the music on that was great. Yeah, it was so good. really good. The mm-hmm. interplay between the piano and the steel, pedal steel. Yeah. yeah. I think there was one cymbal note. That That's was Kevin Twilley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. My, That's so cool. Like, he could have done another one or two, but it's just one. It's like... He was being chintzy with me, you know, because <laughs> he, he gets paid to drum usually. Now oh. he drums on my recordings. Okay. But Did, was he listed as percussionist? At the time. <laughs> now, he pretty... 
He's oh, a, that song, I mean, was it was it in the listing? I don't think I got to the Picayune thing of listing each right. song, but I have him as a producer because right. he recorded okay. it. Okay. That's, yeah. So, um, do you perform out a lot, music-wise? Uh, I was. There's kind of like a circuit here. I call it the music geezer circuit. Right. And so... You know, it was at a sidewalk, which is closed. Right. Auto Shrunken Head, yeah. which, you know, got a, a decent sound system, so that's cool. Right. And uh, Parkside Lounge, you know, the Steve Krebs. Uh -huh. Sometimes I'll play for him. He'll book me for a night. Cool. You know, I want to go back to something you said, because mm -hmm. uh, when you were talking about it, you know, the lyrics um, and prose, poetry, it's all different. Oh, so different. You know, so I guess what I write is poetry. <laughs> but then sometimes, you know, I was in music forever. I, you know, involved in one way or another in music. So in my head, sometimes I, it comes close to being a lyric. Um, last year, I entered a content, poetry contest. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a total waste of time. But um, I wanted to do, it was okay to do music with it. So I started doing music with the, my poetry. And then a couple of them are like, all right, they're like song lyrics. So I... I I can't tell if they're song lyrics or poems still, and whether I should read them or say them. <laughs> and I, I'm very bashful about my singing because, uh, you know, it's a different thing. I, I was the it's drummer. It's different. I was thing. A, yeah, I'm, I think I'm good at reading, but I don't know if I'm good at singing. So I'm in a kind of weird place with this. Yeah, well, it ain't easy, but I, I have um, one fun thing when I get a chance. Um, you know, I've been working with Robert Aaron. He was a sax player for David Bowie. Oh, yeah, sure. And Michael Chabon, yeah. And, um, um, he's on, um, is it Young Americans? Yeah, he's on fucking, he's played with everybody. Right. No, that song, uh, Young Americans. Is, is I, I don't know. With, yeah. Anyway, so oh. that's, you know, he's got plenty of bona fides. Right, I remember. So he, uh, point being, um, so sometimes when I just, I have him play, he's awesome to record with because mm -hmm. he's a fucking genius. Right. But sometimes I'd have him play live and he'd basically play all over whatever was going on and right. he played like, I think it it was like jazz. Uh -huh. I think those horn players get bored and right. they want to, yeah. you know. Improvise. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. want to bring another angle to it. Sure. So if there's like a freestyle jazz band or a musician playing, then um, I like to cut into the sound in right. a way that's not, you know, abrasive or uh -huh, screeching sure. at people right. with like, you know, maybe two lines from a song or a, what I call American haiku. Uh -huh. And that is awesome. Right. Well, let's talk about your, your new book. You have a new book out. Yeah. I have this, my latest book. It's called True Blue Essays on New York City, published by Apathy Press 2022, correct? Yeah. Okay. There we show it up to the, to the camera, yeah, in the middle. It's the other way. <laughs> Get right here. Do I have it upside down? Yeah, but right in the middle is the best one. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Here, watch this. Oh, that's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's a new trick I learned. That's a good way to do it. So, um, yeah, I took, actually I had, no, I don't have any of my essays that were in New York Press, but I, I have things that I wrote, you know, over the years. Most of them were not published. Uh, I like Apathy Press. I've known this guy for a long time. I kind of got turned on to Baltimore, where I met Tommy Devaney and this guy Dan Allen and this and that. Uh -huh. And so his friend um, William Turner is in Paris, and he has uh, Turner kind of laying out the books. And um, I don't know, Tommy publishes them through Amazon, but he... Uh -huh. He's very, he's old school, you know, so you, I send him money, and then I get a box of books, and right. then I could do what I want. Yeah, yeah. So. I did I did the same thing with my, mm -hmm. with my book. Who's that on the cover? This is, um, 
this guy Al, who uh, he was in this band called Hammer Brain. He was an old school, like I guess NYC hardcore uh, kind okay. of person, and um, really a partier. Really, he was. He used to manage this place, Benny's Burritos. Oh yeah, Benny's. Yeah. But then this right. poor guy. Well, he's not a nice guy, but had him like as a manager of this um, kind of sports bar. Oh. And he kind of turned it into like a black Coke bar. Wow. And they were recording, they got really good audio uh -huh. in the bathroom. So I don't know who has the recordings, but I was, you know, playing with the people and recording them. And I don't think anyone was making a penny because, right. you know, right. those dudes, they'd bring in their own bottle or they're trying to sell cocaine. Right. You know, it was it was kind of funny, but I love that he did that. I love Al. Why don't you read something from the book? Okay. Yeah. I'll tell us what you're going to read. This, this, this episode's going really fast. I want to make sure we get everything. Okay. So, I uh, wrote a bitch's guide to the Lower East Side. So, I will. It's like a lot of little sections. So... I am uh, NYU students. There are a lot of them. They pay a lot to go there. To improve their group character, the opposite of a safety orientation would go far. Do not hang out in large packs. Take risks that don't involve tired drinking games. And above all, remember, nobody really likes you. If you have any money at all, display it at all times. This is a good way to meet locals. And then I, I don't know what you like to next. I have a section on Orchard Street. Oh, Because okay. through this book, Clinton Patterson did Jewish History of the Lower East Side. He does these, like, doorstop compilation books, of which I just got another one in the mail. And um, I interviewed uh, a real estate broker, and I, this guy, Zeon Mizrahi, who some would call him... A slumlord, I don't know, you know. Right. But he was right on, um, he was on Orchard Street or Ludlow Street. He had an office for years, and it was really interesting. So Orchard Street, Zian Mizrahi created the Orchard Street we know today. He got there in the 60s as a teen working in his father's suit shop. When Zian was growing up, heck, middle-aged, Assemblyman Sheldon Silver gave him the good idea of turning the street into a bed business entertainment district. I think Sheldon just, he might have just gotten out of jail. I'm not sure. He got one yeah. of those things right, where, like, right. you're dying, so I can. Uh, the blocks were kind of raggedy at night until then. And in the day, you could get lots of buttery leather pants in vivacious colors, cardigans with foxtails dangling from the shoulder blade area. House dresses, ties, the whole gamut. Now it's some different stuff. It's hard to get upset by these developments, but anybody who's lived in the LES a long time fits into one of two categories, permanently indignant or trying to get the right combo of psych meds. Anyway, since the apartment units remain frustratingly small, 20-somethings who meet and want to spawn will leave this immediate area to house the new extra lives they must feel are the necessary next step. It does not go men's suits, crime, fetish, bistro, courtship, parenthood for these recherche readers. I love it. I love both of those you read that you just read really I can really picture New York City in this 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 part of New oh, York man, City. Oh, that was in. I mean, if you the NYU thing, I mean, that just spread like a fungus. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, how, you remember how, like in in the eighties, it was half the size or less of. My you favorite. Know, it, took writer, all, it took over this area. Probably. Gary Steingart calls it the school for the bright enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the money enough. It's, they're real estate brokers, and it's a party school. Right, yeah. My assistant is going, There's they have a program where you make, create your own major, mm -hmm. and, you know, so they right. have good stuff you can use. You definitely have, you, I love talking to you, you definitely remind me of this, of what this whole place was like, you know. Yeah. I mean, because I, I moved into Brooklyn in 79. And, oh, you, you know, did? Yeah, so it's so different here, like you said, it's so different here and, and anywhere in New York City. 
Some places got too sanitized. Um, we, you wanted to talk about elder care. Oh, yeah. We, so this one book, um, my, uh, I had this put out. Can I see it? Yeah. It's a really cute book. I had a roommate who got into... Um, I take it that, that's you. <laughs> Old-fashioned bookmaking, uh, Joffrey Bridgman, and he put together this neat little pamphlet of four essays on glossy paper, and the font was incredible. Yeah. And I, I tried to do it with my friend um, Drew Cushing from Bent Boy Press, but we just could not find... Anyway, no one wants to hear me drone on about font, but it's a big thing in my world. <laughs> So this is. Um, I work with. I, I work with a, a graphic designer. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when she would have to sit at a draft board, and do. Um, uh, you know. I mean, it was before the computer. She had to cut out the, the huh. letters and post them on a board. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, fonts are important to, to a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. overlook fonts. Right. And so they put all this work into a book, and then they got this, like, 10-point font. Do you consider yourself um, visually artistic also? Not really. Oh, okay. I just, I'm attracted to what I would call flash. Tattoo right. artists call flash. Okay. But I do, um, but I'm, I'm pretty attuned to fonts. Mm -hmm. Right. I've been doing this 45 years, so. And um, so this is elder care. Jimmy Crucifix shares posts about the best places to retire now and then. A listicle accompanied by a dreamy picture. Ecuador, Costa Rica, places Americans can't pronounce without a fanciful lip stretch. Costa Rica, Ecuador. Jimmy is a longtime rocker with uh, tendinitis, which most of them have, lung spots, trouble breathing, Pit bull walking, carrying heavy music, gear, equipment. It ain't going to happen. This tropical island under the palms with umbrella drinks. Every once in a while, my old friend Tom wonders where both of us might go. At one point, we were thinking of Lodi, a nothing town in California. Problem is, I have no ability to drive. So I'd have to just sit in the house watching my back hearing the squawks from housing complex neighbors with special needs liabilities, calling 911 uselessly every time they bump their head or run out of Oxycontin, Clonopin, Xanax, love. Nobody plans to end up on the street, a sad and increasingly common sight, These, or in a senior facility in the outer boroughs getting ignored and bed-soared by indifferent low-wage workers. That's where an old body ends up. And I've always been an end-up type. In fact, right now, I've ended up doing elder caretaker work for my 92-year-old mother, which means I stay with her and listen to the blare of Big Bang Theory on TV, help her dress, wash, get from day to night and back again with no real purpose. A lot of people do this for their parents, washing, managing, using a sing-song voice to disguise the anger and disgust. The voice, as well as the language, is a lie, maybe a useful one. Caretaking, doing a great thing that you will be so grateful for. Thank you for your service. Nobody knows where we go when we have Alzheimer's and dementia. There are symptoms that are across the board common, such as fibbing about knowing what day it is, covering up, reluctance to eat despite a constant chewing motion. I think we forget how to swallow at some point. My mother loves Pringles, though, and I sneak them to her all the time. The command center's just not there anymore. The mind that remains is probably best occupied by play, not punishment. And really, nobody wants to play for free with somebody who can't reciprocate, doesn't represent cuteness and hope, and constantly says, what? There is some useful field knowledge, a clothing line called wearables for shrinking people who can't handle buttons, zippers, or shoelaces, regular seeming underpants for people who are incontinent but resist wearing band-aid colored adult diapers, 
Ceramic plates, bowls and cups are too unwieldy. They're too heavy for frail seniors. It's best to replace them with light plastic. Milk cartons become too confusing to open and close. Practically everything is too confusing. I could cut it there, it's more this. How long did you um, provide elder care for your mom? Uh, I would say more more hardcore, uh, maybe three years. That's a but long there time. was Yeah, there wasn't a situation to do with money and my sibling and poverty and right. crime and you know, I, right. I think I, understand. A, I think a lot of people are right. dealing. Right. We deal with that, and like I thought, yeah. well, why do we have to reinvent the wheel every time it happens? Because right. it happens. So very hard to do. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I helped my parents at the later parts of their lives in mm -hmm. their 90s. It didn't ever get that bad, but um, and we were lucky because not lucky that my father had an accident, but because he had an accident, mm -hmm. he wound up with 24-hour um, care. So yeah, but it's hard to do. He, you know, I mean, I went to visit him every couple weeks, every other week. I mean, but it was just. Easy stuff, not what you had to do. It was making him a meal, talking to him, taking him out, going to doctor's appointments. But the There's little care that you gave, that you had to really sacrifice a lot. I, I didn't. I didn't. What I made, I made sure that I um, kept myself, and I was kind of in a subordinate position in this system. So I would. Um, my friend Paul Pot had a weekly music night at the Missouri Lounge in Berkeley, okay. and I'd go to that, or I'd um, I took an online writing workshop. So my mother was mostly asleep by nine, right. so I'd you know mm -hmm. do that. Right. So and you went. You had to go to back to San Francisco to take care of her. Well, I, I was went to Berkeley, but right. yeah. you know, I'm frankly I'm kind of a bum, so it's not. This thing like pulling up stakes right. and this it's, and that. I easy just, for you to move around. Yeah. Uh -huh. I sort of had two households. Right. And I, I have two households still. I, I guess it's my thing. Right. By the way, um, Portugal is also on the list of great places to retire. To. Also, uh, this jazz singer was telling me uh, Panama. All of this that you're talking about is all stuff that I think about. Exactly. Oh, everybody does. You get to be our age and mm -hmm. you can't help it. It's, you know, it's part of our lives now. You yeah. Know, you know. Yeah. So I'm kind of, you know, I have a kind of disabled husband who I love, of course, here. But I've been going, I went to Sun City to visit a friend to see if I could drive a golf cart. Yeah, it's so weird. My brother and his wife, have a, they have a golf cart in their in garage. They Look, all have golf Their backyard cars. is a golf course. Yeah. And listen to this. It's a gated community. There's two golf courses, but there's no parks. I was like, do you have a park? I want to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't give I don't him much. That. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, I, I, it was a beautiful house, and and, uh -huh. uh, but I, and you had to drive everywhere, like half an hour. Yeah, you know everything's Everything. far. Yeah, like so that, that's the one, you talk about retirement. I mean, the one thing I like about where we are is you can just walk and get everything. You can't, I live in a, a walk-up tenement. Um, my husband's in a wheelchair. Well, that's not good. So he can't, right. he doesn't, he certainly can't come to my place. Right. And he doesn't have, that's a thing. And you learn about it right. as a semi-caretaker. You start seeing what's ADA. And, right. You know, what's. Well, if you can get into a building that's either ground floor or uh -huh. has an elevator, that's, you know. Yeah, not everyone, you know has that option but no. so anyway so next week i'm going to new orleans oh, my okay. old friend um love it down there art debris he's living in this amenities building in uptown new orleans right. and uh oh it has a pool by the way you casually say stuff that could pull on a pull up another conversation for me but I'm, I'm weird, um, you know, I have, have to keep an eye on the clock. But yeah. we've, there's so many things you've said that have made me want to, like American Haiku, I actually wrote a haiku recently, which is probably American Haiku. Um, I wish, uh, we maybe we'll have to do another one. Um, but I wanted to make sure you wanted to play something from the new album. Yeah, this so, is this song, it might be... Um... I think what we'll do is, um, you know, we'll, we'll say our goodbyes to each other and okay. we'll end on the song. All right. Yeah. And this song, um, it might be actually the most viable thing 
Okay. I have now. Um, it's called You Aren't Born Yet. And the album's called She's Got the Weirdness. And, yeah. And she, Is that and, available in typical places? No. Nah, oh. No, my shit's available in typical places. So, um... So, and oh, one, one more thing, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Do you want, how, if you would like, how, um, you want to tell people how they can um, find your writing, your music, your art, whatever, <laughs> or um, your, unless you don't want to do that. But that's oh, it. yeah, of course, I, I love yeah. it. I'm trying to figure out how to get songs streaming, mm -hmm. just like everyone else is trying to figure out right. this world. And, um, Live gigs on a low level are not the way to get music out there. They're fun as hell. Right. But it's every, yeah. you know things yeah. go haywire. It's a, right. it's a joke. Sure. But it's a fun right. joke. Right. And book wise, if you put in Jennifer Blowdryer on Abe, a Libris, sometimes Amazon, uh, if you put in True Blue, you can get the newest. Um, the Apathy Press book. Okay. And also, um, Ape and Alibris are good sites to buy books. And so they'll, um, all my books from the past, from 1984 on, they all circulate mm -hmm. like a ghost transaction. I don't make any money. And the prices vary yeah. sometimes. Right. Right. So, um, let's, so this is the end of the show. Are you, have a, are you ready to queue up a, a piece? Um, no, I, I actually need a second to get back sure. to Well, I will say that I want to thank the listeners to listen in to Storytelling on Orchard Street. We're in the PNT Knitwear Bookstore podcast studio. Um, you should come out and check this, the bookstore. It's great. They have readings here. Um, great book selection. And uh, my guest has been Jennifer Blowdryer, a fascinating person. I really enjoyed having you on the show. And, uh, yeah. And what was the name of the song you're going to play? Now this song, I hope we have it on SoundCloud. It's, um, it's called You Weren't Born Yet. And, uh, I'm sorry, I should really find it first. Maybe you could just have some dead air. Um, I'll feel, I'm going to feel, I'm going to read my American I think that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was supposed to go to a poetry reading and the theme was haiku and I'd never written one before. Um, I, so I wrote one, and then I decided to write four, uh -huh. and uh, I didn't make it to the uh, <laughs> to the reading because of the trains. Anyway, so it's my attempt at haikus, part one. Joy came upon him. He lingered in its bright light, chose darkness instead. Part two. He went for a walk, lost in a cemetery, graves filled with the dead. Part three. She chided his path, obsession with his own death, to a bitter end. Part four, it never happened, just a dream or a nightmare that had no ending. Yeah, I like it. It's <laughs> weird that word chide, uh -huh. you know, how among writers or music, our type, mm -hmm. there's certain words that are just in the air for right. a while. Right. And chide is one of them. Oh, yeah. And also, I call um, me and uh, one of my companies, we, I, we call it the bitters. Okay. You know, like musicians get the bitters. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So is the song ready? Yeah. So this okay. is You Weren't Born Yet, and it's, um, I have my friend uh, Raphael Cintron on uh, some vocals. Uh, this guy, Luigi Scorchia, uh, doing a little bit of a loud guitar lead, which is great. And um, my husband, Jonathan Gerstad, and Kevin Tooley produced it, and I'm pretty sure there's Robert Aaron playing some mean sax. Cool, can't wait to see it. Yeah, no. All right, thank you, and goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> see you later, or not. Going to the Mabu Hay Gardens, walking through the Broadway Tunnel. Dressed up in a fruit of Hollywood bathing suit and Levi's cyber lines, handcuffs from Dana, hanging from the roofs. Bambi, Purcell, hand-needed gowns, and Christian Louboutin, Baltimore, 91, year to go for. I danced with a man.
Thank you. 